Welcome to 5 Minutes of Courage with Maggie Arndt. This podcast focuses on God's Word, the Bible, and how much God loves you. Our goal is to show you throughout Scripture how loved and valued you are by the God of the universe. 5 Minutes is all you need to be filled with hope, joy, purpose, and yes, courage. Now here's your host, Maggie Arndt. Hey everybody, welcome back to 5 Minutes of Courage with me, Maggie. Yesterday we began the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John, and we were introduced to a story called the Pericope Adulterae, or in English, the woman caught in adultery. And it comes right on the heels of the Feast of Booths, um, the Feast of the Tabernacles, the Festival of the Shelters. Remember, all three of those things mean the exact same thing. And there are two schools of thought on this story. And I'm going to just share them with you really briefly, but it comes down to two different thought processes on the Bible. There are those who think that the Bible is infallible, that there are absolutely um, no discrepancies, no errors, no mistakes, that it is not able to be compromised or challenged. Okay. That's one school of thought. Another would be inerrant, which means that There are no theological errors, and yet we acknowledge the fact that the Bible was put together by people. So it's a collection of God's word, and yet it was put together by people. Now, why do I bring this up? Because the story of the woman caught in adultery, as we said yesterday, um, includes in brackets the most ancient Greek manuscripts do not include John 7.53 through 8.11. Well, does that mean somebody else made them up? Does it mean John wrote them, but they don't really go here? Um, both of those schools of thought, thought would be supported by many, many theologians. There are some canons that take that little story of the woman in adultery and they tuck it in at the end of John because they say it doesn't match up. And so let's talk about that a little bit today. If you go to the end of John chapter 7, verse 52 they replied, and they would be the Pharisees and the scribes. Remember, they're still at the festival and they're speaking to Jesus. Are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. So if you have your Bible with you, quick jump over with your eyes to chapter eight, verse 12. Well, Jesus answers that question. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So either one of two things happened. Either Jesus is answering the question because they are still there and 752 jumps to 812 as far as the sequence of the story, or we put a pin in it at 752 because at that point, the scribes and the Pharisees brought the woman in adultery to Jesus, and then it picks up in 812 the next day. Now, is any of this catastrophically important? Is any of this going to change our salvation? Does it change the way we read the gospel? And the answer is absolutely not. You can be in either school of thought. Frankly, at this point, none of them can be proven or disproven. The the scrolls were found in about the fifth century. The, The gospel of John was put down in words, in writing in about the ninth or 10th century, we know that whatever is included in this canon is the word of God. It's intentionally here and that the Bible is a living document and that we can trust what is in here. 
Um, I do not fall into the camp of picking things apart. I feel like that's a very, very slippery slope. And I feel like you can either trust what's in the, the word of God or you don't. So that's something for you to choose for yourself. But what I want to do today is pick up where Jesus does say, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And light was a really, really important symbol in the entire Feast of Tabernacles. So when we left Jesus before the woman came, he was talking about about being the living water. And so that, interestingly enough, goes all the way back to the book of Zechariah, which is the Old Testament. It's the second to last book in the Old Testament. Chapter 14, verse 16, just quickly, it says, in the end, the enemies of Jerusalem who survived the plague will go up to Jerusalem each year to worship the king, the Lord of heaven's armies, and to celebrate the what? The festival of shelters, the festival of booths, the feast of the tabernacle. Remember, it's all the same thing. And water and light are both really important themes. So I heard a quote that if a man could travel so fast as to follow the sun as he went sun, of course, he would always be in the light. Well, I think we could also take that as a double entendre. If you, if you could be good enough to follow the S-O-N, which none of us is because each of us is a sinful human creature, but we would always be in the light. And it makes me wonder, where is our focus? Is it on the living water? Is it on the light of the world? Jesus, the light of the world, or are we like people starting in verse 21 who are the unbelieving people, the people who are constantly murmuring. We've talked over and over and over for several weeks about those who murmur, but what about this? And let's pick apart every teeny tiny detail like the woman caught in adultery. Did that really belong right there or should it have been put somewhere else in the canon? Does it actually matter? Does it follow the personality of Jesus? Does it follow the grace of Jesus? This story, it absolutely does. Because what does he say to her? Go and sin no more. He has forgiven her with his great abundance of grace and love for her. And that absolutely would support the character that we know to be Jesus. And so I have a difficult question for you. And I could ask it of myself, but when things get difficult, where do we turn? When we feel discouraged, when we have COVID anxiety, when we're upset, when we're exhausted, when we're hopeless, when we're scared, when we're angry, what is our our first course of action? If we're honest, do we get angry with our spouse or start sending messages on, to people we have no business talking to or posting things on our social media? Do we run to the liquor store, maybe to numb our frustration. Maybe our, our posts didn't get enough likes. Sometimes I'm guilty of that one. Sometimes I look and see, you know, how many people downloaded my podcast as if that matters. That's not the reason that I'm doing it. My eyes, your eyes need to be up and on the light, on the light of the world. If we are to always follow the sun, we will always be in the light. So as we come back tomorrow to conclude the eighth chapter of John, we are going to talk about Jesus and Abraham and Jesus using the famous phrase, the truth 
will set you free. And there's so much weight behind that. Don't miss a minute of it. I will look forward to seeing you right back here tomorrow. Be well. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to this podcast. I'd hate for you to miss out on even one minute of courage. Then share it with all your friends. If you'd like more information or would like to contact me directly, go to 5minutesofcourage.com. That's the number five and you can connect with me there.